Welcome to Interpod, a podcast by Interpride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. In honor of International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, and Transphobia, we speak to activists and advocates in the United States, a country thought of to be one of the most progressive on LGBTQIA equal rights, and we'll talk about how homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia continues to affect our political, social, and personal communities. Here's Nadine Smith, Executive Director of Equality Florida, discussing the recent passage of an anti-LGBTQ bill in Florida. Nadine Smith, she. I'm the Executive Director of Equality Florida, the statewide lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer education and advocacy organization. Help us understand Senate Bill 1834 or House Bill 1557, otherwise known as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Sure. Well, it's really impossible to understand that bill without understanding the context in which those bills were filed, along with another bill called the Stop Woke Act, which is intended to censor and um, curtail the ability to have honest conversations about race. And it's really driven in Florida by our governor, who wants to usurp Donald Trump for the Republican presidential uh, nomination. And so he has launched a series of culture wars uh, aimed at, you know, riling up his national base to raise money and to prepare for a national campaign. And so he's gone after who he considers the most vulnerable. So last year it was going after, you know, trans kids in schools. This year, um, that attack, they have doubled down. So the Don't Say Gay Bill, which is the one you've referenced, is basically a bill that says that teachers cannot provide any instruction um, around the existence of LGBT people. So what does that mean? Um, We can tell you even before the law goes into effect in July, the impact it's having and the impact it's having has been to, um, you know, basically turn the education system over to, you know, extremists, book banners. They've gone so far as to ban the book and Tango Makes Three, which is about two penguins uh, who end up raising a a penguin chick at a New York zoo. And it's based on a true story. They've labeled it uh, obscene because the two penguins are male. Um, In one district, they've gone after over 156 titles, almost all of them by black authors or including LGBT um, characters. So if a student in school uh, is given an assignment, what did you do over the summer? And they tell the story of their two moms or their two dads uh, taking them on a camping trip. Um, Is that permitted? We already have circumstances where uh, teachers are telling uh, students or conveying the message that you can't talk about your family. You can't talk about or acknowledge the existence of LGBT people in your life. And the environment that that sets up is quite obviously one that is hostile to the existence of LGBT kids and people who are raised by uh, LGBT parents. So we've formed a, uh, launched a lawsuit against the state, uh, basically saying that this is a means to discriminate, to make the world more hostile, to make schools more hostile, uh, and force into the closet LGBT young people. 
We have several data that we've collected over the years that basically tell us when LGBTQ youths are supported and loved and they can be who they are in a safe mm-hmm. environment, that that reduces you know, depression. It reduces the percentage of, of suicide. And so if you could speak a little bit to about, you know, just how dangerous this bill is to LGBTQ youths and their mental health and what a step backward it is for us um, and help, you know, the world understand. Well, this bill, it not only is it dangerous, but it's recognized by the people who are at the front line of protecting students from the Parent Teachers Association to the Florida Association of School Social Workers and school nurses. Um, you know, people who work most closely with students point at the research, and it's very clear. When you do not recognize or force children to hide who they are or hide who their families are, you make school a dangerous place. Um, even nine Republicans took the, you know, just unheard of step of voting against their party leadership um, because they understood how dangerous this was to kids. Um, you had one legislator who works with who works with one of the larger um, children's groups, and he was willing to buck leadership and vote against it after trying to get them to amend it uh, into something more reasonable. And so what we heard from the floor, just to be crystal clear, the folks who sponsored this bill, they didn't mince words. They were very clear of what they were up to. Uh, Dennis Baxley, who's the Senator and the Senate sponsor for the bill, he has made it clear throughout his career that he will quote, do nothing to affirm the existence of gay people, gay families. And he has kept that promise. In fact, from the floor, he was saying his intention with this bill was to make the space so hostile that kids would stay in the closet. And so that's that's their intention. It's very clear. And the vagueness of the language, they they you know may think that there's some somewhere to hide in that. But what we're seeing is also very clear. We are seeing school districts telling um, telling teachers to take down coexist. Banners, you know, the ones that are intended to promote uh, religious uh, diversity and inclusion. They're being told to take those down. They're being told to take down rainbow safe space stickers, even though they know that these these tools make schools safer, reduce suicidality, reduce depression, reduce dropout rates, all of these things across the board. And now they're doing something really insidious and really quite dangerous. There's a something called the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. And it tracks all of these um, risky behaviors that young people engage in to deal with society. And for years, we saw those numbers improving when it came to LGBTQ young people. After the attacks on trans youth began last year, we began to see those numbers turn in the wrong direction. And even when you factor in for COVID and compare them to their cisgendered heterosexual counterparts, the numbers for LGBTQ young people are still heading dramatically in the wrong direction. So instead of responding to that as concern, you know, people concerned about the well-being of young people, the the uh, DeSantis administration has responded by eliminating the survey. They just won't track the information anymore. Kind of how they handled COVID. If you don't if you don't test, you don't have bad numbers. If you don't track the numbers, you can't be ranked poorly nationwide. So again, this is this has been a consistent pattern of eroding freedoms 
stripping away liberties, all in service of, of appealing to extremists as he prepares to run for president of the United States. So we, we emphasize that because this isn't just a Florida problem. Uh, he is polling second to Trump, and he has begun to uh, do everything he can to outflank Trump to the right and has begun to go after Trump directly. So he's paving the way and he doesn't care how many kids get hurt in the process. What's been our response? I mean, our as in uh, the LGBTQIA plus community and our allies and supporters and those who have been fighting for LGBT rights, at least in the last you know, 50 years. Yeah. Well, my message to everyone is to take this very seriously. They are not uh, you know, it is, uh, they've, they've declared war. They, they have made it very clear that they don't care about our, our safety. They don't care about the safety of kids, that they are willing to roll back any protection that they think they can get their hands on. And their rhetoric has become so dangerous. We've seen this before. We saw it in Florida with the Johns Committee, which was a McCarthy-esque committee um, that, was, that functioned out of the state legislature. And its, and its goal was to rid the educational system of black civil rights advocates and quote homosexuals. And they destroyed people's lives. They destroyed people's careers. They pushed people to suicide. Every, everything you think of when you think of the McCarthy era that happened in Florida with the targets being civil rights activists and anyone um, labeled as homosexual. Then you had Anita Bryant who had her so-called Save Our Children campaign which was all about forcing people out of the closet and using the same kind of dangerous rhetoric that is coming out of the DeSantis administration, where they called people groomers, AKA pedophiles. And Anita Bryant was funded by the moral majority at a time when they weren't talking about abortion. They were organizing primarily against integrating schools. So we see racism and anti-LGBT um, political organizing going hand in hand uh, back then. And once again, we see it with the attacks on under the guise of blocking critical race theory, a thing that is not taught anywhere outside of, you know, graduate level, you know, legal um, courses. But under this banner of blocking CRT, they've gone after anything that tells the truth about America's racial history and the continuing legacy. And they are doing the same thing around the LGBT community, which is attempting to erase and punish anyone who creates a safe space for LGBT young people. So that's the, that's the environment and people have to take it very seriously. They have to get involved. Um, this isn't just a fight in state legislatures. It's, gonna, it's a fight that's going to unfold school district after school district. So wherever you are in the United States, there's definitely a state organization nearby, you know, in your state or a national organization doing work in your state or local group, get involved. Um, and then support the leadership where you see it. Uh, I will tell you the thing that gives me the greatest amount of hope right now in my world is these amazing young people who poured out of their classrooms, put together, uh, don't say gay, um, walkouts, have continued to organize. They are registering voters in their schools. Um, they are turning their graduations into um, opportunities to to call out the adults who are letting, you know, book banners take over their schools. And it has been an amazing and really just uh, the most hopeful thing that I have seen. Um, and, you know, finally, we got to turn out to not just vote. We've definitely got to vote, but we got to get those people in our world who have not always understood how politics affects their daily lives. 
um, you know, politics is not, it ain't rocket science. There are people whose names many of us do not know who make decisions that impact our daily lives. And instead of thinking of politics as some, you know, strange, uh, you know, world that is separate from your own, just understand that there is no guardrail or limit to how far they will attempt to push us backwards. And we've got to link arms, dig our heels in and push back. Sounds incredibly timely of a message, especially as Pride season comes up very quickly here. You had mentioned, you know, that this isn't just statewide. And I'm glad you said that because I think I've read somewhere that this now there's about like 12 states uh, who are looking to pass a very similar bill. Um, and I, I don't even know the total amount of numbers um, of- Yeah, there, I think there are close to 300 bills now that have been- uh, that have been introduced um, in different states. So, um, so it's been a, it, it's really quite ugly what we're seeing. And to be clear, this is a coordinated attack. This isn't just spontaneous legislation popping up based on things that are happening in different states. You know, there's a think tank that, that churns these culture war bills out. They use their, um, you know, conservative uh, Republican network to introduce them all over the all over the country, and in years past, these things have failed. There've been enough both Republicans and de- Democrats to stop them from moving. Um, but what is different, certainly in the state of Florida, is that um, you know, th- th- again, the Republican governor's desire to be president has meant that so-called moderate Republicans have been told, get in line or you will get primaried. Get behind this. We don't care if you, you know, where you personally stand, you better show up and vote the right way or you'll be punished. And so some of them have left office or are leaving office, but others have just saluted and are going along with what they know is wrong. So it, you know, in that regard, you know, the political courage to do the right thing, um, we, we haven't, you know, there hadn't been a lot of profiles and courage uh, coming from uh, the Republican Party, some, some, but not not nearly uh, enough, and so there has to be accountability for the for the people who um, have gone along. You know, the days of telling us privately how much you hated to vote the way you voted, you had to do it, et cetera, et cetera. We don't need to hear that. You you stabbed us in the back. You made schools less safe for our kids. You've created a hostile space. You know, there was a um, a couple of dads on a train with their five-year-old, the five-year-old got cornered and harassed by someone spouting the talking points that first hit the national uh, scene from Governor DeSantis's office. He called them groomers, told their, their child that they weren't his parents, that they were rapists. All of this awful, vile, you know, um, attack on this, on this family, doing nothing but taking a train ride. And thankfully, in that circumstance, the the aggressor was was taken off the train, but the willingness to do violence, uh, we have already seen. You know the QAnon talking point of labeling anyone who disagrees with you as a danger to children is intended to entice violence, incite violence against us, and so we have to take this very very seriously. Um, and we can't let people you know who say they are with us stand on the sidelines whether it's companies that show up during pride, whether it is family members who, who tell us they love us, um, but then don't vote or, or vote 
for other reasons, for people who would erase us, erase our identity and, and endanger our lives, we've got to call those questions. Last question for you. And thank you again so much for taking the time out. Congratulations, by the way, for being named uh, Time's most influential, one of, one of the most influential in the country for 2022. Reading all of this and then seeing you be named in that way gave me and I'm sure a lot of people a lot of hope. And yesterday was just Harvey Milk Day and Harvey Milk being right a pioneer in our community in um, right. about how hope is a part of our movement. Could you leave us with the words of hope? And I know what we need to do, we have a lot of work. Well, part of the reason that I wanna lay things out so starkly and really not, you know, not pull any punches about how dangerous this moment is for not just the LGBT community, but for, um, for our country. Because the same people that are coming after us are, are literally dedicated to dismantling democracy. They do not want a democracy. They want a country ruled by a small, you know, white ethno state. They are, they are supremacists and they are, they are unfolding policies that are, are coordinated uh, to secure that power. And so I, I always want to be crystal clear about how dangerous this moment is, but I also want to be crystal clear about why I'm hopeful. And it's not, you know, just by dint of personality. I have been around in this fight long enough to remember how we had to fight around, you know, an administration completely indifferent to our community dying, you know, before we even had the word AIDS in our vocabulary. Um, we have been through these fights. We have organized, we have, we have stood together. We have called on our allies to do more than, than tell us privately that they're with us. We've, we've called on them to show up in ways that matter and they have. And so the world that I grew up in, in the panhandle of Florida is very different. There's a GSA in my school. I, that was unfathomable to me when I was a student. And I look at the marriage fight and I look at how we lost 38 in a row, 38 state-by-state uh, -state battles in a row, each one of them more painful than the one before, including 15 in one year alone. And then the tide turned and we began to win, not just in court, but in the ballot. And Florida became a marriage equality state before the Obergefell decision um, against, you know, a lot of odds. And so I see this moment, you know, uh, the, there's something called the Streisand effect which very quickly Barbara Streisand did not like the fact that Google Earth or Google Maps had included an aerial view of her home and, and she pushed to try and get it taken down and ultimately was not successful. But when she began the push that maybe somewhere between four and six people had down, downloaded the picture, by the time uh, all the fighting was over, four million people had just based on the fact that she had tried to suppress it. And I'm seeing that in how the students are responding to this attack on their education, um, putting book banners and censors and anti-freedom brigades in charge of, of education. I'm seeing it in the way that uh, ordinary people are turning up. Parents who never thought that they would have to be political are understanding that they've got to fight um, and stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with these so-called Moms for Liberty, aka Klan moms, to push back and protect their kids. So I think there's a whole new wave of people showing up. And I think that Every time, every movement for civil rights calls the question, will you allow this to be done in your name? And if you do not believe that discrimination 
um, censorship, the erosion of basic liberties, this anti-freedom agenda um, driven by DeSantis, but supported by others in Republican leadership are right, then what will you do? And right now the answer that we are seeing is people are reporting to work. They're showing up for the fight and they're pushing back. So that gives me a great deal of hope. And I invite everyone, if you're a Floridian, Equality Florida needs you. If you live in Georgia, Georgia Equality needs you. Wherever you live in the country, there's a state org or a local group um, you know, waiting to fight. And if you can't find that group to join, uh, contact us. We'll put you in touch with somebody who's already organizing to push back. Um, and the final thing I'll say is, you know, we are a economic force in this country and we should leverage our economic impact because it's, it's not just LGBTQ people, it is our families, it's the people who love us, it's our friends, it's our coworkers. And, you know, we have a program called um, Equality Means Business and a directory called Open Doors Florida that directs people to shop at places that support your basic rights. None of us should be giving money to businesses that fund or otherwise support the people who would take our kids away, criminalize us, and make schools a hostile environment more difficult for our children, not only to get educated in, but to even survive. So um, leverage what you have, get involved. Don't expect that anybody else is going to fight your fight for you and, and have the hope and the knowledge that we are going to win. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you so much for your leadership. We do have a lot of work to do. What happens here in the United States will also spread across different parts of the world. So let's get together. Let's support one another. Let's do the work to fight against homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia, period. Our next speaker is Andy Medina, who will talk about how these anti-LGBTQ bills and the hate how it all affects and impacts our LGBTQ youths. My name's Andy, my pronouns are he, him, and I am a member of the Truth Council with the Gender Justice Leadership Programs and also a mem uh, member and leader of my school's GSA. Obviously, I've had to come out a lot of times. I would say the most interesting one in how it went was coming out to my parents um, something about me, I'm a very terrible liar. So my mom found out not too long after I realized I was trans. Um, but I did not want to tell my dad for a little while. So it was between me and her for a few months. And really, my relationship with my dad was not that great. So at the time, my mom thought it would be best for me to come out to him. And maybe he would be a little less worried about me. Um, so I, I made a PowerPoint and I made my whole family sit down um, for my coming out PowerPoint and it, it went mediocre, you know, but it was a big thing for me. I think putting myself out there um, and really talking to my parents about what being trans meant um, was a big step for me. So we're focused on, you know, what homophobia, transphobia, and biphobia feels like and looks like right now. So it, for you and your experiences, um, share with us what you're comfortable with in what you feel is, you know, what all these phobias, how they are, how we, how we experience it, right? Like in our community as of right now. 
I would say other than a lot of like the concrete thing where I definitely don't feel super comfortable being outside like in public all of the time. Um, I think it's it's a little better for me now. I've started medically transiting, but especially when I looked uh, very, very androgynous in a way I didn't want. Um, it was kind of a lot of fear of how other people would see me because it's like, what are they thinking about how I look? But in terms of things I've experienced, um, say kind of the casual thing of, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, um, of like people, especially a lot of my family members who thought that I was doing it for some other reason than I wanted just to be happy and such, um, or they thought that I would, I'd be done, you know, I'd try it out for a bit. Like it's like a trend. Yeah. Or when maybe my parents or my other family members thought transitioning wouldn't be the best thing for me or people who really don't listen to how I feel about my experiences. Um, so it's, I've been lucky enough that it's more of a like casual of a subtle thing, um, but it still kind of gets to you when, especially in my family, when I wanted to transition and um, people really thought that wouldn't be the best thing for me. And you know, they, what they wanted or what they thought was best would be the best. And that wasn't really the case for me. How do you feel about the hundreds of anti-LGBTQ bills that they're trying to pass across the country in several states that pretty much are targeting LGBTQ youths? I think especially transgender youths, for example, the don't say gay bill in Florida. Yeah, it really, um, here, I live in Arizona and here especially there's been a lot going on surrounding trans youth specifically. Um, there was one that, because I have a lot of other trans friends here in Arizona, that we were all really nervous about. And it was that they were trying to put a stop on all gender affirming medical care. Um, so that was hormones and surgeries and uh, it was really scary stuff for me and my other friends on hormones because we might have to stop or um, I had friends who even who wanted to move out of state who talked about with their parents moving out of state if that law passed because, you know, they're transitioning and that means a lot to them. Um, I think I didn't keep up with it too closely after the initial thing um, that from what I heard, I think it did pass, but not all of it. They changed it so that it doesn't include hormones anymore. Um, but I would have to check it. I think it still includes surgeries and such. It really hurts, you know, because legislators, especially on a state level, I, they very likely don't know a lot of close queer people close to them. But um, I... I have met some of those legislators. Um, my mother worked in government for a bit and it's really like 
people that you've met before and people who you see sometimes, you know, on TV or just out, it really sucks that you know how those people think of you and what those people want to do that will ultimately really screw up what I'm doing, you know, what I need to be doing for my own happiness and health. That's not hurting anyone. How are you coping? I know that you mentioned, you know, you're involved in a couple of organizations in your school. And so talk to us about, you know, the, uh, what you're doing within your own community to respond to that, but then also add how you're doing, like how you're coping with it. I can't imagine like it's also stressful and this probably has a very negative impact on you and your mental health. Yeah, it's, it's been really hard for me. I, we, I talk about it a lot with my friends. I think a lot of us feel like those legislators, they feel that way towards us and our transition. Then it feels like we don't have a lot of power in that situation. We say, well, if they're already passing this kind of legislation, what are they going to listen to us if we say that we really need this, that those kinds of laws are hurting us. Um, And I just wonder if they know, like if they know that that's hurting us or what it's doing to us. Um, And so I've, I've thought of writing letters, you know, to like government and stuff. I might talk about it with my mom because she knows more about legal stuff than I do. Um, But I, I try to focus more on, uh, like what else I can do um, of like uplifting my friends and making sure they're okay. Cause for me, I've already started my hormone, my transitional journey and I've gotten to a pretty good place as I am right now. Um, so it's, it's more of a thing where it's, it's upsetting, but it's, I think I could live through it if something really bad happened, but I'm, I know some of my friends really would have a harder time than I would. And um, so I just want to make sure I'm there for them and support them. How do you think other people could support you and support uh, youths like yourselves? How could other people, aside from your own community or your family, support you? Um, I would say uh, learning more about the things that queer people are going through right now, um, really understanding what that means and how that could affect us, but also um, just more of the casual support things that really mean a lot to us. You know, um, when I got to high school and I really didn't know a lot of my classmates because they, they were all basically strangers um, I didn't, I really didn't know how supportive they were. And I think even then a lot of them were less supportive than they are now, but as I got to know them and they were vocally very supportive of me as a trans person, and they were able to take that in stride and not have that be a hang up for them just to get more comfortable with the like the gay and the bi and the trans people that they know 
in their lives. Um, that was more helpful to me than I think they could ever realize. To have such a supportive community around me really helped my self-confidence and feeling safe. So I'd say just, um, you know, being vocal in your support and really understanding what we're going through right now is uh, an awesome way to show people in your life that uh, you feel them and you support them. Thanks so much, Andy. I have one last question for you. So yesterday was Harvey Milk Day and he encouraged everyone to be out and to be themselves and to have hope for us. And so I'd love for you to end with, you know, what is your hope as a young person and part of the LGBTQIA plus community? What is your hope today for our future? For me, especially, I always really hope that I can, in my adult life, go go places and live my day-to-day life and just feel safe. Um, you know, being outside, being with a partner, being with friends. Um, and it it's kind of a, a given like a forward and back for me because there are some places where I really feel like I'm okay and some places where I'm always a little sort of nervous um, to dress how I do or uh, act how I do. But um, that's the main one for me, I think, to just feel like I can be unapologetically myself um, and not be worried about it. That's the biggest one for me, especially right now, where, you know, legally, I don't feel super safe all the time, but I think legally and socially, that would be the biggest one for me. Shauna Virago, please support the work of our amazing and talented queer and trans artists. Visit shaunavirago.com. 
To hear more episodes of Intrapod, visit intrapride.org. There you can also find out more information about the work that we do with Pride organizers from around the world. The big AGM or annual general members meeting is coming up in October in Guadalajara. This is Interpod, a podcast by Interpride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community.